Hey, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown Podcast. I'm Julie. Some of you know me as Dry Mountain Mama, and I'm here with Steve Kay to bring you Sobertown's Rewired Podcast. We're diving into the book Rewired by Erica Spiegelman and learning how it can completely change the way we think and help us create a life so full that there's no space left for alcohol. Before we get started, I want to invite you to visit SobertownPodcast.com where you will find all of the podcast episodes and tons of recovery-related resources. You'll find tools like Todd's blog, which includes his sobriety toolbox, filled with great ideas for handling cravings, reframing difficult thoughts, dealing with drinking situations, and everything else you need to tackle sobriety. We also want to give a shout-out to the I Am Sober app and the community there where many of us met and have found our tribe, creating the foundation for successful recovery. If you haven't yet, do go download the I Am Sober app and come join us there. I'd like to welcome back a good friend of ours and the IAS community. He's been on the podcast once before to talk about honesty. Ben, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Good to be here with you guys. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Yeah, I'm 43-year-old guy. I um, live in New Hampshire. I'm Ben. Go by Benji on the app. I grew up as Benji. Um, so a lot of people ask what they can call me. I don't care either one. People I grew up with in my hometown and my mom still call me Benji. So I totally respond to it. Um, so we are really glad you're here tonight. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so it's... Ben's back to talk about honesty again. Um, what the heck Hold just on. happened? Let's let's start over. Yeah. I just I, I got the <laughs> I got oh the. Game. I like I look down and I look up and Steve's gone and we're playing <laughs> musical squares. I can give a better. I can give a better. I, I'm all in and giving a little more detail. All this right. Is my intro. A mess. What is wrong with us? Okay. This is good. This is great. This is freaking amazing. This is really good. <laughs> Actually, smearing my makeup because. I'm laughing till I cry. That's really awesome. Okay. We can't see that on a podcast. We are fucking great. I know. It's awesome. (laughs) Julie. Introduce yourself, Ben. Yeah. What you got, Ben? Introduce yourself. Um, My name is Ben. I go by Ben G on the app. Um, I'm a 43-year-old guy, married with kids, two boys. Um, I live in New Hampshire. And I can't do this. How long have you been sober? (laughs) Counting from birth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sure, Ben. How many sober days you have in your life? I think it's funny that I'm at 125 days, and I I say it's my longest streak, but I clearly have longer (laughs) because I didn't start drinking until I was like. 15. <laughs> so I had 14 oh. and a half years sober streak before that. Oh, um, good for since you. Since that day, my longest streak is currently right now, 125 days. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So it really, feels really good. And that's the truth. Good. Yeah. Um, so we're really excited to have you back. Thank you for coming back and talking again. Um, so you're here to talk about honesty for the second time because you've been hanging out on honesty for quite a while. Um, one of the most valuable things about being honest with the people in our lives is the connections that honesty allows us to build. So the more we share our authentic selves with others 
and the more we let them in, I think the more confidence we gain and the more everyone benefits from that connection. And so it sounds like you've had several opportunities to share with others about your struggles with alcohol and have had some really great experiences, um, something that makes a lot of people really nervous. So we were hoping that you would share some of those experiences with us today. Tell us how some of those things have gone for you. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's um, a difficult one for me to pinpoint, but as I've said a million times, this is a this time has been very very different. So, quick recap, I would say, um, is that I've recognized that I had a, an interesting relationship with alcohol. We'll say for a long long period of time. I mean, certainly surpassing a decade. Um, it was like, okay. I mean, even if I went back to the very beginning, it was benefits that I saw early on were, I was never like crippling shyness. Um, I had, I had a number of, I had plenty of friends in high school, but I was always very shy and anxious guy. And then in college, I started drinking. I drank a little bit before, um, and it, it broke me out of my shell. So when I look back, I actually look back with some fondness and and I can see some benefits in there until there until it went the other way and then there was probably about a decade where I was riding that line and then seemingly to the outside world I was still riding that line for the last decade I, I managed to keep myself together and this is something that I've talked to both you guys about is is the fact that on the outside I look just fine I have a good job I have a good family um as I've continued to say, I mean, my phrase, like the world around me wasn't in danger when I was drinking. So that kept me from being honest for a long, long, long time. I think that that filled, now I can see that it, my anxiety um, and this need to keep, I don't, I don't even know how to phrase it because I didn't feel like I wasn't out to look great, but I, it was just so many years of, of looking polished and and just fine on the outside that there was so much shame if I did come clean. Um, and there's still some of that in me. Like one thing I'm going to talk about is the levels of truth. But one thing I want to make certain is, is I've, now I've spoken to quite a few people about this. And I, I, looking back, I just feel like I wasn't ready. And I, I'm keeping it that simple in my mind because I'm working really hard to just be genuinely kind to myself. And to just be incredibly happy about where I'm at right now, if that makes sense. You know, I can, I could go back, I could see a therapist and I could probably dig in and get a better answer than that and figure out everything that led me to act the way that I did. But bottom line is I just, the previous, however many times I tried to quit and never told anybody anything on what my intentions were. And it's easy to say like that, that ultimately left me an out. I could then show up with beer in my hand or I could go out drinking or I could do whatever I wanted. And no one knew that I quote unquote failed in my mind. I knew that. Um, so until I started sharing, um, being honest with myself as I'm still working on and just being honest with everybody um, that I come in contact with, well, being more honest with everyone as time goes on, then the, uh, it just solidifies everything. Um, 
and there's just all there's so many levels of truth so that's one thing like we had we had a zoom where it was all about honesty and people were talking about um there's confusion in it it's so interesting because you you think that you need to like spill your guts to everybody all at once and i just don't think that you now looking back on where i'm at right now and i have a long long way to go but like even day one for me day one as we laughed about in the first uh podcast i believe I, I don't know why it happened here, but I was getting an oil change and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I am done. I'm sitting there hungover, getting an oil change. And I came in and I had a new level of truth with my wife because every time I've ever quit before, my wife said, oh, don't be so hard on yourself. Or because even to her, my life was okay. So then I just said, listen, I'm done. I'm really done this time. I I don't want you to, here was my one request to her, as I said, if I come in and I walk in from grocery shopping and I have beer in my hand next time, I don't want you to panic, but I also don't want you to think everything's fine. I want you to sit me down and we're going to have a conversation for a while. And we're going to make sure that this is the right choice for me because I don't think it's going to be. So that was a whole new level of truth. I had her on my side. Um, since then, um, I mean, the next stage for me was I, I, I talked to a friend, um, we were going to a concert. I think that was like my next big talk. And I said, yeah, if, I just need you to know that I'm not drinking. So then we're sitting there having pizza and he said, uh, some of this is repeat from the first, but he said, um, do you think that you have a problem? And then I just really casually, by that point, I was like in tune with you guys. And I was going to Zoom meetings. I was like, well, you know, I've got this uh, sobriety app. And then he started giggling. I think I, you know, right there. Yeah, I guess I do have a problem. I have a sobriety app on my phone and I'm communicating with people from all over the world. Like I have friends in Australia now. Yeah. Um, so like little steps like that. But then what that what happened there was literally my best friend that I've known, I was roommates with him in college and he lives in the next town over from me. I see him all the time and we're super tight and we've shared close things before, but in that one dinner, it was the, the most we've ever shared. It was like a lifetime of vulner, vulnerable um, moments, just all shared over one pizza. It's crazy. That's really cool. Um, so, now I didn't, I didn't think about it like that right at that moment, but that gave me a ton of confidence. It was, I, I gained so much from that. Um, and then I started coming to these zoom calls and I started, and I started posting real thoughts and real feelings and sharing whatever's going on with whoever's sitting in these screens and got nothing but support and understanding which is, it was huge. So it's more confidence. Um, and now, I mean, just continue to tell some neighbors, um, ice fishing, we were talking about ice fishing right before we got on and I was ice fishing for, for me. I have a friend, he's got a, he's got a little house, no electricity, middle of nowhere, rural, rural, rural Maine on this awesome little intimate lake. And Every year I look forward to it and I barely even ice fish. It's got two, two wood stoves and I'm the guy that plays guitar and makes sure that there's wood going in both of them. 
I mean, that's my job. So I feed the fire, I play guitar, and we just drink for like three days straight. Yeah. And it has, as we discussed, in my opinion, I don't think I'm going to insult. I think there's 1% of the population that actually thinks ice fishing is about ice fishing. Oh, well, it's ice fishing for me was, I mean, I, we, we went fishing. I, I, I do love fishing, but it was, it was, it was beer drinking and drinking and then fishing. Yeah. The 1%, the 1% that's, that's actual fishing is the 1% that you share with your spouse. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. 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 And, and which means that you're, you know, 1% tr- true. So you can lean into that one. Um, right. <laughs> so, I mean, the levels of honesty too. So, so then you have this one, this one experience. So I could have gone a million ways. One of the beautiful things about having kids is you can always use them as an excuse. Like it's almost like an accepted uh, universal lie. I can't go on my kids sick. Um, Plus we have COVID now. Like I could have gone, uh, kids got COVID. Ah, sucks. Next year, dude. Okay. Right. Yep. I call my friend and I said, uh, I just, I'd rather call you than, I mean, I'm just jumping in with two feet now. I said, I would rather call you and tell you something than to just make up a lie or whatever. Um, I've decided to just quit alcohol. I think it's something that I've been self-medicating, some depression and anxiety that I've never mentioned to any of you guys. And I think that I would come there and I would be completely supported. I may or may not have fun, but quite honestly, I'd rather be anywhere else in the world than hanging out with a bunch of you just getting hammered all weekend. I'd rather do anything else. So I'm out. And then that went into like, I knew now we're talking about friends that I'm not concerned about losing friendships here. One thing that I've come to terms with is I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the percentage of time that I hang out with these guys now are going to be less, but they're really my friends. Like that's going to stay in tune because now I'm 43 for the most part, this is just me in my life, but for the most part, anybody that I just casually went to the bars with and drank with, they're, they're not in my life anymore. Right. Um, and that's fine. I mean, that's just life getting busy. I mean, 40 friends becomes like eight in a hurry in my world anyway. Um, so that opened up to him casually talking about his own drinking um, and then talking about how there's how much alcoholism's in his family and that he was just proud of me, which is just awesome, you know. So then I get more confidence. Um, and back to this is another another thing that I've been talking to a lot of people about is I don't think that it's not a numbers game to me. Like I need to figure out in 365 days this year, how to tell 365 people that I'm done drinking. But I think that I can have that many conversations in a year, like the amount of times that I've gone now in depth with my wife and every time is a little deeper, some are light and some are, I wouldn't even say heavy emotionally, but, but serious talks, um, having the same type of conversation with the same person is just so incredibly valuable. And I think that anyone listening to this would recognize that in a Zoom room, even on a small scale, 
the second time you're in a room with somebody, it's always better than the first time. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. And the fifth time is better. And the 10th time is better. And you just share more and more just naturally and organically. Like, I don't, I think that there's so much, um, I think that that's the important thing to make sure it's real. Now, back to me being ready, something about me is just ready. And it was just this weird light bulb moment. Some people's light bulb moment might be getting arrested, you know, and then you hear about people that look back and it doesn't feel like that at the moment, but that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to them. It's like a forced light bulb moment. Yeah. Um, or some other higher power is, was taken care of in giving you the loudest message you needed at that moment. Um, but I'm just ready for it to be real. And I need to make sure that I continue to have these conversations with people to make sure that they know it's real. So like I would say in a normal week, now I'm at the point every single day, my wife and I have a conversation and it's not like, Hey, babe, let's sit down and talk about my sobriety. I haven't said that one time, but like even today when she said, are you going to stay up for a while? And I said, yeah, I've got, I'm doing a podcast with Steve and Julie. So she knows what I'm doing. Like that's, mm-hmm. that was our conversation today. Um, and sometimes it's definitely more in depth. We went skiing last weekend and I would say for about 20 minutes, half hour, we talked about um, that if I, if I had a drink, oh, it came up because tomorrow actually we're going skiing at a friend's house. And I heard her on the phone. This was kind of funny, actually. She was on the phone and probably her friend, it's her, it's her good friend and her husband, and, and they're great. Super easy conversation. Husband plays guitar. Husband loves craft beer. Husband smokes pot. I've done all of this with the husband. Um, and probably the wife asked my wife, like, is there anything special? And then Julie just talked about my diet because I don't eat meat. And, uh, but she's like, yeah, don't even worry about it. Like he's fine. He'll eat like pretzels and lettuce. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Now we know what Ben survives on. That's so yeah. helpful. Pretzels yeah. and lettuce. Um, I could eat, if you gave me bread, uh, like really good bread, almond butter and bananas, I could live for the rest of my life probably. But I, I eat a really good diet, but like, that's my, I never outgrew, I never outgrew peanut butter sandwiches. I just make them more um, fine dining like now. Grown up versions. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a separate podcast. I could talk a half hour about um, my sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> peanut butter sandwiches. Uh, yeah, yeah. We won't go yeah. off on that tangent right now. All right. Um, we'll make a new one for you. I'll leave you like a 15 minute voice memo tomorrow. On this. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Um, but so she gets off the phone and uh, she said about that. And I just said to my wife, I said, I heard you talk about um, my diet. I was like, what about my liquid diet? Did you get to mention anything there? And my wife just looks at me and she says, uh, no, I was just making sure they had good food for you. That, that diet's just, you're just not drinking. And I was like, yeah. oh, cool. Um, and it's, it's cool. Like even I told you guys how my wife outed me at her workplace. She had a colleague of hers that was talking about his alcohol. Apparently he's recovered for 
a long time, whatever term you throw on that yourself, but he hasn't drank for a long time, but he talked about how he has to continuously practice his sobriety. Mm-hmm. And then my, my, my wife's gut reaction was like, you have to talk to my husband. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, mm-hmm. and that would freak the hell out of some people. And my initial, like I, I sat there and I knew something was weird about it. And then it just hit me like a few minutes later, like, wow, she's just cool with it. Yeah. And I was fearful of that. I was fearful of our relationship doesn't revolve around alcohol, but at the same time, we've drank a lot of alcohol together. Yeah. And I, I didn't know for certain how, um, if it would change anything. Yeah. How it's going to affect all of, you know, the dynamic, just yeah. not sitting down or, you know, even going out on the back porch or whatever and having a drink and just relaxing. It's just thing. hard to imagine yeah. at first what that's even going to look like. It sounds like she's great about it, though. She's incredibly supportive. But, you know, so rarely would I say this, but I, I think and, and I didn't do this intentionally, but it was me repeatedly talking to her about it. Mm-hmm. If I had come home that one day and said exactly what I said and then never said anything ever again, mm-hmm. maybe it would slowly get here if I was, you know, strong willed enough to not drink and try to fight it alone, like I've tried so and failed so many times before, but I just continued to talk about it. And in the beginning, it was a little more like, um, you know, me literally having to say like, I need you to know how important this is to me. Like I've said that to her. Um, and And usually that came because we still have a little bit of alcohol in our house, but like, even right now I had a guy come over today to pick up his son who was over playing with my son, had a ton of beers with this guy. And I was about to ask him for, if he wanted a beer. And then I was like, let me go check the fridge first. And we don't have any, which is, and you didn't know either way. Yeah. You know what's cool is that I, is that I didn't know. And my wife, when she plays music, like we just have people that come over and, it's really normal for someone to come over and bring a four pack or a six pack or whatever. It's really easy to just casually have beer in the fridge. And I just did, I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second. But one thing that's really interesting is I, I remember God for years, I've been listening to addiction podcasts and anything addiction related or, or addiction books or anything memoirs. Um, I think partially because I I'm just interested in the psychology of it all. I could totally see myself in that profession, but at the same time, obviously listening for my own personal reasons way before I even knew I had a problem. It's interesting to think about that. But one, one interview they said to somebody who didn't know how many, if he had a drinking problem or not. And then somebody just casually said how many, uh, beers do you have at home or something and just rattle off like usually within like one or two I could have I could know if I have four if I have 18 Mm -hmm. what kind are they and then if you ask me like how many slices of cheese do you have left Uh, do we have cheese right does it matter it's so interesting Well, to go from, I mean, how much time do we spend focused on how much alcohol is in the house? Is there enough to get through tonight? Is there, and do I need to stop at the liquor store on the way home tomorrow? You know, I mean, we're always aware. And to go from that constant awareness of exactly how much is in your house to, I'm not sure if there's one in the fridge right now or not. (laughs) Like that's, that's a huge deal. That's a really big, big change. Yeah. And and what I was going to say too, is, is I think 
like my wife knows with certainty where my head's at because I've just continued to be honest with her. So I've kind of used that as I personally am not triggered, although I'm still figuring out what that word means, but I'm not triggered if I tell people what I'm up to. So like I went over to my buddy's house the other night and I didn't know if he was going to be drinking or not, but he knew I wasn't drinking. We were going to play music and just hang out. And I've drank endlessly with him too. And uh, he didn't drink. I told him he could. He said, I try not to during the week, whatever. And whether that was the truth or if it was just because I was there, I respect both. Um, and, and when I just anywhere that I go, I just make sure that people know now what I'm up to and that I don't personally feel triggered. Do you have a hard time with people not knowing how to act once you, you know, if you go out and hang out with them and they know you're not drinking, are they like uncomfortable or should I drink? Is it okay if I drink? Do you run into that at all? Um, I don't, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I can answer that. I, I haven't had anything that's been crazy uncomfortable. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of jumping in and, as I stated earlier, just being more, more comfortable stating deeper levels of the truth. Um, so it's not like, I think that people might get uncomfortable if they said, oh, do you have a problem? And I said, let me start you at the beginning. And how much time do you have? You know, it would get <laughs> awkward really fast. And then, um, so like colleagues, for example, I think that I've, if I tell someone, oh, I don't drink, I could say I'm, I'm a pretty healthy guy. I'd rather not. Um, that's not a lie. You know, it's by no means what I share with you guys or my wife or a really close friend. But if they, you know, as time goes on, I don't think it would be abnormal to find out, you know, oh, a year later, <laughs> that person now I've bonded with enough. And yeah, I did have a problem with alcohol, you know, and it's better all around if I don't. You know, so I think that, that that itself can grow and evolve just like everything else in life. Um, but I mean, I've been pretty bold. We, we went out with um, to a concert with two other couples and it came up that one of our friends who I didn't know has been in and out of rehab. Um, and I, I connected with him and he replied, which is cool. And he was open and honest. And that's kind of, we'll see where that goes. He, I, I shot out a, an option to get together and that I'm, I said, we can just get together and chat about music or chat about all this stuff or chat about it all. And he didn't reply to that one. So um, I think it's all about just timing and I think it's out there. I feel good about that actually, which is, I think that, that little thing right there, I think if, if I was drinking would give me a lot of anxiety, the lack of reply there. Me too. But I know, yeah. and I learned this from you, Steve, because we were we were going back and forth once, and and you know, as you get closer with somebody, I, I forget a couple. I, I've forgotten a number of times that we all met over pretty serious, potentially serious um, circumstances. You know, we don't know each other's story fully, but we we as you become more friends, you become kind of looser lipped, even if it's via text and. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man. And then I, I get those moments. And I remember texting you and I was like, I need you to know that from now until the day that we die, that it, anything that comes out of my mouth is from a good place. And 
even that comment right there, as silly as that sounds, that's nothing that I would have done. I would have probably just in the past, just tried to forget about it and felt anxiety just bubble up. But I'm, I, I'm able to see the real truth. I mean, the, the truth is I sat there, I felt uncomfortable for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then I, I brought it to your attention and it was a non-issue. It was literally a non-issue, but it meant something. It just like, it meant something to me to say that it's, it's like resentment, like that little nugget could have generated into such shame, guilt, resentment, all of the bad qualities, but then yep. one little blip of honesty, like, Hey man, I, I didn't mean anything by any, anything that I wrote there, but, but good. So sometimes we just sit there and worry. I don't know. I do the oversharing thing. I think you and I have talked about that then where you just worry that you overshared. And I've done that with, you know, I do that with all kinds of people with you. I'm just like, gosh, I hope I didn't overshare. If I did, let me know other people. I don't have that. Sometimes I don't have the opportunity. Other times I just don't have the guts, but then I just sit there and I'm like, oh my gosh, what must they think of everything that I told them? And, you know, I said all this and it's so easy to get wrapped up in that. It's so much easier just to, just to say, Hey, I feel like that might've been awkward. (laughs) And then you can just move right on. Yeah just address it yeah and it, it's it what's really interesting is um i won't name any names but i i saw like you can learn so much from the people on these zoom calls and in the app and on the posts and on the comments and i i've seen very very little what i would throw into the drama bucket um and I saw one little post that was mistaken, a comment was mistaken, and then there was a one little back and forth, and then somebody handled it so appropriately. It was so honest, and like, here's where my heart's at in this, basically. Here's what my heart meant here, and then it was all good. You know, if you can just get to that point, and one thing I jotted down, I, d- I didn't want to jot down a lot of notes, because I've been thinking about this so much, that I, but um what what's so powerful about this um, platform is that we know each other and you reply to people and it all started. I mean, I listened to yours and and I forget if it was yours or a rod's story, but I listened to them. If it wasn't in the same day, it was back to back. I sent you a quick note, Steve. Yep. I mean, minutes later, or I don't want to give anybody false expectations, but like within an hour or so, I'm like, oh my God. I mean, I've listened to so many podcasts before. I just send you a note. I have no idea who you are, where you live, anything. Right. Boom. Get a reply. And that meant a lot. And then by chance, the very next Zoom meeting, it might've been that day or the next day, we get in the same breakout room. Right. (laughs) Yep. Oh, it was, it was the same day because I remember when you popped on, I'm like, Steve, we've been hanging out for a day. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I, I I don't know what it is, but I've been thinking about a few things. I mean, I've said this over and over to you guys, but I'll restate it because you never know what people are going to read and what it means to them. So Julie, when you wrote that you were going, I think to Thanksgiving or whatever, and someone in your family you wrote a long post. All three of us write long posts. Steve, you win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not a contest I'm going to gun for. <laughs> um, but 
all joking aside, Julie wrote, um, I decided I would tell them because they would want to know. And it was one little line where she's like, oh my, and that was just like one line in one paragraph. And I have taken that. And I mean, that is ingrained in me now. I literally say that to myself because I, I don't let me sound like a superhero with rare exception. I have, I have like anxiety chills, even thinking about telling the next person, but would they want to know? And I think that they would want to know. And I laugh to myself because when people say, well, you shouldn't be telling like the cashier at the grocery store. Like when people say, honestly, like some people think you have to go like that far with it. I think that that line of yours, Julie, is relevant there. They would not want to know. <laughs> they do well not said. want to know my sobriety journey. So I do say that because and the truth is like you start thinking about your friends and it's such a wonderful feeling to think if before I tell someone if they were going through the same thing, would I want to know? Absolutely. And if they wanted to talk to me about how much time would I give them, I would give them all the time in the world. Yeah. And then I just say, okay, fuck it. I'm going to tell them. I, boom. And then I just rip off the Band-Aid. It's the only way to do it, isn't it, really? And I just do it. If you just decide, make that decision in your head. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. <clears throat> and is it then, getting easier? It is. And that's where I was going to segue into, I mean, literally the two things I've taken out of all of, and then when Steve said, once you tell someone it's not yours anymore, that's the part that I'm still wrestling with, but it's such a cool challenge because it's so unbelievably true. And I relate it to music. Like I do everything else. I mean, what if you were in a famous band, you came out with a song and then you cared about what everybody was going to do with that song of yours. No, it's not about that. And then you start getting mad about it. It's not yours. Right. It's in their ears. It's in their brain. It's in their heart. They can do whatever they want with it. And to just be cool with it. You know, I would say I'm like 95% of the way there with Julie's and I'm like 50% with yours, but that's good. You know, I think it's really hard to say it and then not, not totally care. Two nights ago when I played music with my friend, I shared way more than I intended to or that I thought I would. And I left wondering if it was like a little awkward. But since we've been texting about music ideas and like he's still and he's still a good friend. It's interesting how that happens. You start getting into conversations with I mean, that kind of that kind of happened to me. You start getting into conversations. I told you this one already, too, Ben. Um about my buddy who who asked me for a beer and i just said i don't drink but i'll go and have a beer with you and i'll have a nice tea and then we we got into the conversation the conversation he started asking me questions and i started answering them honestly i had no intention of saying too much to him to begin with but as the conversation grows i you know i'm going well how do i beat around this bush lightly or do I just come out and say it? Because then it's really, really easy to answer. Okay. I decided to go the really, really easy to answer route. And that was the most vulnerable of them for me. You know, I, I told them the truth, like the, the hard truth. Every question he asked, I answered honestly. And we got pretty deep. And, and lo and behold, he starts 
telling me that he's been to therapists and he has his own problems and that now we're going for coffee and driving around for the entire hour that our children are at a dance class out of the blue. You know, let's go for a beer to opening up and saying, I'm an alcoholic and answering a whole bunch of questions about where I drank, how much I drank, that sort of thing. Do I, you know, do I go to meetings? Yes. All of this stuff. I just answered honestly. He asked me what I was going to do in my truck for an hour. I said, text my alcoholic friends. (laughs) (laughs) And I laughed. I heard that uh, the other day, but I know that's exactly what you were going to be doing. It's 100%. Entirely true. I would have sat there and I would have said hi to a whole bunch of people. And, and if somebody bit, I would have had a conversation. <laughs> and people right. bite. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's something in there, though, about when people start asking you questions, they're interested. And who knows why? Most of the time, though, it's not to use it against you. If they really want to know, if they're really asking you a lot of questions, um, it can go so far to just be honest with them and open up and be vulnerable because not a lot of people are willing to do that. Um, and maybe you're talking to somebody who needs to hear all those things. Um, yeah, I think that can go a really long way. It was interesting because he started asking me what I was doing. He was generally interested. Now that whole friendship could have gone a bunch of different ways. I got texts like we still talk. Nothing's changed. If anything's changed, he texts me more now than he did before. Yeah, so, it's, it's it's interesting to know, like when when you can kind of spot. We were talking about this the other night, but how you can kind of spot someone that may or may not be drinking or have an alcohol problem or those type of questions. Because I've asked a million sober curious questions. I mean, a million. Like I would be on work trips, right? I would actually gravitate quite often to the sober folks. And I realized like now I realize I was always impressed and proud of their choices, but just how they're on like hero status, like that they could manage it and be what I could see is be proud of it themselves. And I'm, I mean, envious. I think that that's a, a fair word. I mean, people that can do it and wear it, they can wear it proudly is what I like and what I'm working towards. Sounds like you're headed that direction. Yeah. And I, you know, one thing is back to the power of these rooms is, is um, I I used to say this all the time and I still do, but like growing up, I'm like any other kid. I had all the sports heroes and I would write, get autographs and, and uh, write letters. and, And I had musical heroes and all these people that, that aren't people that, you know, and then of course, like they have scandals and drama and you lose it's like you have these expectations of people that you don't know. So I would always say, um, just make sure that you have a hero, at least one hero that you know. Somebody to look up to. Be a to friend, somebody. a mom, a dad, an uncle, grandfather, somebody that you know, um, because then you at least you know they're good, they're bad, and, and they can just develop into like a real hero. And I think like if you throw yourself into this app and these Zooms, I mean, you can know anybody here that you want. Yeah. I haven't had one person reach out to me that I haven't gone right back and had a, as long or as much of a dialogue as they want. That's pretty neat, though, eh? When that happens and you reach out and you end up having a 
really, really good conversation and that friendship just develops out of it. Yeah. I, and it happened to me even the other day and I won't mention names, although she probably wouldn't care, but I, I saw a post that really hit me and it struck a chord with me and I cared about her. And I just, I went on to discord, which I'm not on very much. I sent a quick note and said, Hey, I'm barely on here. If you reply here, I may not see it. Here's my cell phone. If you want to look me up on um, telegram, you know, just know that I'm thinking about you regardless. And then like an hour later, we're texting back and forth. And now in the last week, we've texted four or five times, just super kind, heartfelt conversations. That's kind of what we're all here for. It's just the connection. Totally. And that's what honesty gives us. Most definitely. All right. Well, Ben, I want to say thanks for honestly sharing your experiences about your sobriety with your wife, your friends, um, you know, going to the concert and even sharing it with people that you weren't even expecting to share parts of your story, parts of your sobriety with, and, you know, getting comfortable with having those deeper level conversations and, you know, asking yourself the question, would they want to know? Thanks for being on, Ben. Thanks for having me. Love you guys. And to our listeners, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. And we'll be back soon with another episode of Sobertown's Rewired podcast.